The fallout from Silicon Valley Bank's demise has several technology implications from startups that may have problems getting future financing to enterprises wondering whether their supply chain is secure. Plus, is a superconductor breakthrough the key to achieving a better electric future? Next up on Today in Tech. Hi, everybody. I'm Keith Shaw. Welcome to Today in Tech. Uh, we're going to try to catch up on some of the news. It was big news and uh, a lot of tech news last week. Uh, so joining me is Chris from Behind the Computer. Hi, Chris. Hey, what's up? How's it going? This is going to be a good one. Yeah, you uh, you know, at first when this when this news came out, it, it did. F- this is all about Silicon Valley Bank that we're going to start off the show with. Uh, it, it felt like, oh, it's it's another, it's, you know, it's a bank story. It's an economy story. It's a business story. Yeah, somewhat interesting, but like maybe not having a lot of tech implications. But man, did we find a lot of technology implications only because I mean, the, the big main concern was that Silicon Valley Bank was the bank. If you were a tech startup in Silicon Valley, they had a great reputation. They funded so many startups and so if you follow sort of that startup culture and and you know the silicon valley and all of the innovations that come out of that yeah it's got some major tech implications uh, but before we jump into some of those implications let's um let's sort of go over sort of what happened so um there were several combination of factors that caused this sort of snowball effect so chris what was what were some of the stuff that, that you that you knew about this bank or- um I mean, right off the bat, uh, I mean, the economy isn't doing so great to begin with. Right. Right. So that, that was a big uh, factor. Uh, financial report last Wednesday, last Wednesday showed a $6.8 billion loss for the fourth quarter of 2022. Yep. That's huge. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, a lack of capital to meet regulatory requirements and customer withdrawals. Right. So let's so, go over this too. So we're going to, st- we're going to start with this one. The reason that they, that they had this financial report was because, um, all right, let's, so they had a lot of money that was tied up in, in U S treasury right. bonds. Right. Okay. So, and the reason they did that is because when you're a bank, you take in money from depositors, you don't hold the bank. It's like the bank doesn't have a, you know, a a hole in the wall. They do have a vault, but they, you know, they don't put all your money. They take the money from the depositors. They give that money to in loans or they do other, or they do what Silicon Valley bank did. Um, The reason that they didn't, there was another reason that, well, why didn't they just loan out this money so that you could get interest and that's how you make money. Um, I, you know, you give me money, Chris, I then give it to someone else as a loan. They pay me back with interest. Now I have more money and I can run my bank. Multiply that by, uh, you know, a thousand, two thousand, five thousand people. Now, now I'm making money by taking money in and lending it out to other people and getting the interest. Okay. A lot of the Silicon Valley banks uh, depositors were not asking for loans. So uh, in a typical sort of tech startup culture, they would be financing through loans. They Instead, they were getting a lot of money through other sources, venture capitalists. There was a lot of money that was coming into the bank, but the, you know they didn't have the ability to loan it out. So yeah, so, you, so basically they, they weren't doing anything with the money. They weren't getting any right. so the alternative, profit from that Right, money. so the alternative, well, if, you, if you've got all this money, the alternative as a bank is to go invest in other things. And so sometimes you'll see banks invest in crypto. Sometimes you'll see yeah. them invest in other stocks. They'll invest in other companies and et cetera, et cetera. What happened here with Silicon Valley Bank is they went to the government and they bought these treasury bonds, which in theory, economic theory says that treasury bonds are a safe alternative. You know, it's because again, it's got the backing of the government. Here's where the problem happens. They bought all this money in treasury <laughs> bonds and then 
the Fed, the federal government, the, the central bank started raising interest rates as a way because of the inflation issues that were going on. Right. So inflation was going up. So they raised the interest rates to try to like sort of stem the tide of inflation because then, you know, you're not going to be loaning out any money and you're, you're going to loan out less money because the interest rates are going to be higher. And right. sometimes people don't want that. But the same thing with a savings bond and a treasury bond, you're now, instead of a 4% return of uh, interest here, you're now talking about five, six, seven, eight percent 8%. So you're at a loss. And so any bonds that you bought at this lower level, right. the value is less. And right. so if they try to sell these, they're going to take a loss because why would I sell you if, if I had... If, for example, if I was selling you a car and I tried to sell you the car and I bought the car in 2010, but you can get a better car for less money or the same amount of money in 2020, yeah. you're going to buy the better. You're going to buy the better car. You're going to buy the, the the thing that gives you more money down the road. So if you buy a treasury bond now at nine percent, why would you ever want to buy mine at four percent? Well, well, going back to what you said about the uh, the Fed raising interest rate, I think. Um Ben Shapiro from the Daily Wire described that as a catch-22. Yes. So you're kind of stuck. You can't really fix it, right? Right. The bank, yeah, they can't, if, if the Fed continues to raise rates on interest rates, you're going to start seeing more and more of these banks potentially go under. Um, and that's going to snowball. But then if you don't raise interest rates, then inflation is an issue. That's a whole other sort of go listen to, there's a billion podcasts yeah, about what, yeah. what's going on here. But so that was sort of the the first couple of dominoes that started falling. So so people start finding out about this and social then social media, social media, and and you start getting a digital bank run, uh, which was basically accelerated by social media platforms and online chat groups, where some prominent venture capitalists, other startups, and other large inventions started typing on their Twitter machine, and uh, it, you know saying, "Oh, we've got to get our money out of Silicon Valley Bank." Yeah. Now, so th- so then everybody pulls out all at once. Right. So in the old days, because everybody's saying it's the right thing to do. You everyone should do it. You know, all the banks aren't safe, yada, yada, yada. So yeah, of of course we're going to see more banks go under because everybody's pulling out. Well, okay. So before we get to that point, we're not, we're not going to try to create a panic here. Right. Right. But in the old days, now again, this is maybe like in so the you know nineteen twenties. This is you know the 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 big Great Depression crash of the nineteen twenty twenty eight twenty nine the stock market crash. People started panicking about that, and in those days, if you wanted to, if you heard about oh the bank's got no money, you would have to drive to the bank, wait in line, and then try to get your money. Okay, yeah. so bank runs back in the day were non digital, so it would take a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of days where you started seeing these long lines and the bank would then have enough time to then try to secure a loan to start, you know, because what a bank could do is they could say like, well, we'll, we'll just buy a loan or we'll get a loan from a bigger bank or we'll get bought by a bigger bank. Then we'll have all this money. We can give it to the depositors and no one loses their money. It was the whole reason that the federal deposit insurance corporation was created was because there were all these banks that didn't have the insurance to back up these loans. And that's why a lot of those, 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 banks went out of business right the whole movie it's a wonderful life which you admit you never saw haven't seen but but it's about a bank that's about to go under and all the townspeople are like where's our money where's our money and there's you know there's the whole well it's in your house it's in your store it's in you know this is where the and anyway don't worry about that so what happens now with twitter and with online banking apps and the ability to transfer money super quickly 
and the power of social media to basically inform people of when something has happened. Yeah. You took a, like a, a two week process in a typical old school bank run and you compress that into couple days 24 hours yeah it was a, a, it day, was a day or two like, like super super fast this was like last wednesday so last wednesday so wednesday was the eighth that's when the report came out that we're like we've lost a lot of money because we were selling we had to sell our our low interest rate t t bonds or t bills treasury bonds the ninth was a thursday that's when i think a lot of people started going holy crap this is something going on the 10th, a Friday, government st steps in and says, we're taking over the bank. And then over the weekend, then the government said, well, all right, we're going to cover those depositors that, you know, because again, now the second big problem for this bank is that a majority of the depositors were all tech startups. Yeah. So this bank was known for, hey, if you're going to be a tech startup in Silicon Valley, go with this bank because they cater to that crowd. So they would hold networking events. They would hold all of these things. And if you wanted to find out, you know, who are the people that have a lot of money that can, that can fund my startup, right. you know, these are the people you have to meet. And it's part of the Silicon Valley culture, you know, but, and again, so the, one of the problems that they had was that they were, were never able to sort of diversify and go find depositors that, you know, maybe made, corn or widgets or something that wasn't necessarily risky. tech startup or, or risky because i mean startups in general right. i mean that's a pretty risky thing to invest in right and the fact is is that a lot of these startups you know the the, the i think the fdic um limit is two hundred fifty thousand dollars is, is yeah. automatically that's autom sort of automatically insured anything beyond that you know, so a mom and pop, you know, might not have that $250,000. I do know like a friend of mine who does run a tech startup actually was part of this, this whole thing. And he, he was under the 250. So he didn't really, wasn't really worried. Yeah. But the problem is that he had sort of payment systems that were connected to the bank. So as he was charging people, he charges via Stripe. Like that payment wasn't going to go through because they had basically frozen everything. Oh wow! So he couldn't. So he had to figure out. Well, could I could I shift this to a different bank account? And he has a couple of different bank accounts, which is is good as well. Um, but you know, he, he had a, a fun weekend. Let's let's say of like <laughs> trying to figure out. And and you know, speaking of weekends, so this was also so this also happened during South by Southwest, which is the big sort of they call it quote unquote geek spring break which is where, you know, all of these people, they, they go down to Austin, Texas, and they have a big party. And, it's, you know, it's, there's a tech show, there's a film show, there's a music show. The tech, the tech show was last weekend. And usually you typically get a bunch of startups. And they, again, they're trying to, to network and, and, you know, kind of do all this stuff. But um, this happened again last Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So it was the start of this, this whole geek spring break and the, you know, fun and partying and drinking and all this stuff. And, and meanwhile, everyone's probably checking their phone going, uh, we might not have money. We should probably not <laughs> hold this party because we have to pay our bills. And we have to Everybody's pay our on their uh, online banking app and yeah, pulling, and then, pulling and, money and they probably. were locked out. And so like that would put a real damper on some of the parties that people were going to. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad I didn't go. I, I, I was not a big, I'm not a big fan of South by Southwest anyway. I went once and I, I wasn't in with the in crowd. So I didn't get to any of the cool parties. <laughs> um, plus, I don't like breakfast burritos. All right. So 
we've already established that they had a kind of a fragile customer base that, you know, again, it was this whole tech and lack of diversification. So now what kind of, so you're, you're probably asking me, Hey Keith, what, what does that really mean for just this guy who's interested in technology and just wants to talk about it? Um, it, it does have a couple of implications. And I think the first one would be, uh, if you were a startup, you've learned some valuable lessons about where to put your money. Like maybe not have all of your eggs right. in one baskets. Um, what are you doing there? <laughs> it's just a, a, someone on Twitter. They said their uh, cards locked, ATMs right. locked. That was during the South by Southwest. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So, so the you know in terms of future funding and and how a lot of these startups are going to have to operate, like maybe find uh, some better banks to be with, and maybe something that's you know maybe look at spreading that money around a little bit again it's it, it adds more complexity to the issue but i think a lot of these new tech startups are learning some lessons in business do you do you think uh like smaller banks would be a better option or i think it would be a mixture of bigger mixture. banks and smaller banks i mean i think this was a pretty big ish bank but not a big bank like bank of america and again you know i th- you know one of the appeals i think were, were some of these banks were because they were you know maybe they had an online component that was better than a typical bank of america or you know some of these wells fargo type type banks um or they were just, or the, you know, the VC, the, you know, the, the venture capitalist that's giving you $6 million for your brand new startup idea. He's like, yeah, just put your money in Silicon Valley bank. Cause they've, that's what they've, that's what they've done for the last 10, 15 years. Yeah. You know, they never, used to it. Or, or at least, at least start talking to your bankers and, and going, all right, you know, what's your risk management strategy and you know, how are, how, how are you going to basically be able to give us our money if we need it type of a thing. So that's the first lesson. So I think tech funding is going to change in the future. Now, this would have been a really big disaster if the federal government did, did not decide to bail out the beyond that 250,000. Cause then you would have seen a lot of tech startups. We were like, well, we can't pay our bills now. We can't, we can't pay our employees. And you would start to see maybe some more startups going under and that would snowball as well. But I, I think that they sort of stave that off for the moment. Um, it yeah. depends on what ripple effects this has on the, the global banking industry. And so yeah. we're still too early. It, it, it hasn't been a great week for bank stocks as well. I mean, if anything, like you said, it might, it might just change like the banking strategy going forward. Right. Like for other banks, banks right. who haven't, gone through this. (laughs) And then what we're also seeing now is the the Wall Street Journal is also reporting about enterprises because obviously larger companies, they might not have had money in Silicon Valley Bank, but this is now putting pressure on the enterprise tech pipeline. Maybe if you were an enterprise that, you know, maybe you bank with Bank of America or Wells Fargo or or a bigger bank, that's not the issue. But the issue is, is, well, what if I use one of these startups as my vendor? Like what if what right. if what if this startup that is making this cybersecurity software that I've been using successfully and and I like the company but they might not be around next week. There was a there was a quote in that story. I don't know if you can find it. It was like this is a real wake up call for like they might not be there next week or next month. Um, if that's the case, then you're like, well, then I got to find an alternate software product or I got to find, you know, because again, a lot of these startups sometimes do go belly up pretty quickly. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of enterprises that probably don't do a lot of work with startups, but I think startups tend to work with other startups. So yeah, it's only going to, it's, it's going to be an interesting sort of, uh, fallout from that. Like you might see more conservative companies 
sort of pull back in terms of their willingness to invest in a startup, which then has a ripple effect as well, because now, you know, most of the, most of the companies that come out with really innovative stuff are typically startups, right? Yeah. What do you think the effect is going to be on, you know, your average consumer or, you know, bank customer, right? Like me, you, what do you you think there's going to be any kind of, do you have more than $250,000 sitting (laughs) in a bank account somewhere? No, no, neither do I. So I think, but, uh, I, you, but you know, you never know. You never know. I mean, I, like, I think that the FDIC is still probably solvent enough where I think you're, yeah. you're, 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 you know, so everybody, so we like, all don't have to think about maybe like re-diverse, re-diversifying too much or pull out all of our money out of our banks. And yeah. I, for, I mean, that, that's a, that's a panic mentality yeah. that I don't think that, that, I mean, people think about that, but Again, the 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 safety net that the FDIC has created, in theory, would would protect you from that. Like I always think, you know, whenever the 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 lottery, like Powerball or anything like that, gets over six million or or whatever the number is, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to win the the Powerball, and if I did, I'm going to have to put my money into. 20 or 30 different banks because I'm not going to put it in one because then it's not insured. Just put it in a, put it in a treasure chest and <laughs> bury it, bury it in your, in your backyard somewhere and no one will know. Sock cans. There's, there's plenty of white places where places where you can, can put the money, yeah. but you know, you ever see again, this is a little bit of an offshoot, but do you ever watch those um, stories or see those, those documentaries where you get like a celebrity and they're suddenly in financial trouble because they've they've put their money with a money manager or someone that like yeah that is either about. embezzling money yeah. or or they just make bad investments. Like it's like I I just I that scratch I I scratch my head whenever I see that type of thing. It's like I suppose if you're a celebrity, you don't want to worry about the money. But if right. I wasn't, but if I suddenly became super famous or won the lottery, I would become really interested and knowledgeable about sort of money management because I don't want to lose that money because somebody tried, you know, maybe it's, maybe they get conned into, you know, the investing in something and it's a, it's a, it's a scheme where it's a, it's a, it's a con like, like, like the crypto stuff, like the S, you know, SBF. Was that it? SBF? I F- don't. I don't remember the FTX. FTX. <laughs> the crypt. Yeah, FTX. Yep. Yeah. It was Sam Bank. It was Sam Bankman Fried, yep. who they called SBF. All right, that's where I was getting confused. So, um, remember that FTX was a big like they spent all that money on the Super Bowl ads and they got Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen and a bunch of other. It was, it was all great. It was great. Yeah. Hey, why aren't you in yet on crypto? Crypto's the the way, and the, you know. I, I think they were paid a lot of money, but I think the money they were paid was in crypto. So yeah. in, technically they didn't get paid, but they're getting sued. A lot of them are getting sued for trying to like, hey, promote this stuff. And But while they also lost money um, and you just start thinking about it, it's like, why did you fall for that? But I don't know. I'm not a celebrity, so and I don't have any money. So I think from to answer the long answer for that general question about what should regular people do is if you have more than two hundred fifty thousand, I would split that up into different banks. <laughs> um, yeah, and then sort of just I, I think it's not time to panic yet. If if I was if we were going to panic at this point, we wouldn't even be on this show. We'd be like at the bank <laughs> with our ATM, I, it, which is even an old thing. I'd be like trying to transfer it on my phone. Right. Um, all right. So, but, but, you know, I've also heard, you know, the conspiracy theorists come out and there's some talk about, well, the speed at which these 
these sort of social media, uh, you know, outbursts and things like that mean that we need to start regulating whether or not people can cause a panic or, you know, it's that old, you know, is this really free speech if you're telling people to take all of your money out of the bank? Is it the same thing about running into a theater and yelling fire? Um, because again, that causes a physical panic. Mm-hmm. Should we, should we look at ways of, of sort of regulating that? And that opens a whole other can of worms that I don't think that the world really needs at this point. Yeah. Well, scary thing about that is they'll, I think the government will create their own currency. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm a little fearful of that too. Fed, fed coin or, or gov, gov coin. I, I don't know. Yeah. Although I don't, I, I will admit I don't carry as much cash as I used to. I mean, does anybody anymore? I don't think anybody does. I, I mean, I mean, I probably carry it more than maybe your typical 20 year old. Yeah. Um, cause they're doing things like Venmo and they're, you know, they're just passing money around via app. All wire. And what? Wire, wire transfer. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what Venmo is. is. And, yeah, it's you know, or, yeah. And it's like, okay, well they, it's convenient. Um, but what happens when that digital thing goes down or if it gets hacked? And I mean, I think there's a general feeling that because the nature of the internet is decentralized that we're, we're okay. But I worry about like sometimes, all that sometimes, needs, you know, yeah, all that needs to happen is just, I don't know, the electrical grid goes down, yep. some th- uh, 4G, 5G towers go down and then you're kind of stuck. Right. You're kind of, you're kind of stuck. So I right. think, you know, it's still good to have cash on. Right. On, on hand. You right. Know? And now we're going to start sounding like we're going to be living in a bunker somewhere, Chris. <laughs> this is what happens when I hang out with you. Well, you haven't seen my bunker? <laughs> I, I, got, I got to give you a tour. You do uh, definitely, you le- definitely look like you have a bunker somewhere. No, 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 no bunker. No bunker yet? <laughs> well, after, you know, there's going to be some episodes where we're going to be talking about that kind of stuff. We may have to start building one. <laughs> hey, there's plenty of space in the office here, like in the studio. Maybe we just start creating a bunker right over there. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. A lot, yeah. Of, a lot of empty cubes, you know? <laughs> Kind of fortify we, them we start with steel. Build, we start building concrete. little forts out of the cubicle walls and, you know. <laughs> yeah, true. I'll bring in pillows and blankets and we're going to add like a pillow bank, blanket <laughs> fort type of a thing. All right. Where are we? Oh, I want to talk. So speaking of electrical grid and energy stuff, there was another great story. And this is a real positive one. I'm, I'm glad when we can find positive stories here. Um, this was a, rep- uh, a, a breakthrough uh, the U.S. scientists have said that they've produced the first commercially accessible material that eliminates the loss of energy as electricity moves along a wire, which could mean longer lasting batteries, more efficient power grids and improved high speed trains. Uh, this was this is the one of the team from the University of Rochester uh, that, that announced this uh, breakthrough. And uh, what else? What else happened? They, they created a new material, right, Chris? Yeah, I think it's called uh, Red Matter, which sounds pretty badass. Uh, I need me some Red Matter. Uh, But yeah, I I guess, you know, the good thing about it is it doesn't lose energy as it moves across, uh, you know, wires and stuff. So um, that'll have a lot of good uh, effects when it comes to, um, you know, batteries um, electrical energy and stuff like that. So I, I think it's a, it's a good sign for EVs maybe. Yeah. And I, and, and I think that, um, 
this can conduct electric currents without any loss at up to 69 degrees Fahrenheit and 145,000 pounds per square inch, Yeah, which is a lot lower than what your previous sort of requirements were for. Yeah, for other superconductors, I, they, I think they had to be super cooled, yep. to like negative something, something, something. Like yeah. some extreme negative temperature. So with this, like, yeah, if you don't require, because, you know, if you think about it, in order to super cool something, that requires a lot of energy in and of itself. So ideally, like this would save a lot of, you know, it's save in the long run. Right. Because you don't have to super cool it. Yeah. Now, what's interesting here is that this material that they've helped discover was, was made from a rare earth metal called lutetium. Yeah, and then they had to. I, I got, I'll find it in the article. Yeah, but basically, take two diamond tips and crush the matter uh, harder uh, with a, with a force harder than the center of the Earth. Right. It's some insane um, technique they had to do. I'll I'll find it. Yeah. But. The, what concerns me is that if it's a rare earth metal, how much of this can then you scale? Like, does it? Do you only need like a little tiny piece of it, or do you need enough? You know, and does that mean that we now we have to start? You know, I mean, is, if you want to, is the run on lutetium gonna 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 basically make this obsolete? Yeah, I, I mean, if you want to scale it um, and use that, you know, in wider applications, I'm, I would imagine you'd have to, um, you'd have to need a lot of it. Yeah, like like I, I want these. I want a scientific breakthrough where it's like we can we can make gasoline or we can power a car with sand or water. Or, or things like that. It's like, then, then you know, if you know that you have enough, uh, I, you know, I suppose like we have enough solar energy. So yeah, we should have cars and, and vehicles powered by solar energy. Um, and then right. have that ability to store that energy when the sun goes down or when the, when there's a rainstorm. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you don't need enough of, maybe you don't need so much of this rare earth metal um, where you can then scale it to something that, could be useful in the future. I mean, the problem with, with breakthroughs like this is this was created in a lab and this was, you know, something that's, I mean, we're talking years away from maybe finding the benefits from this. Um, and then, you know, you have other scientists that then take this discovery and then build applications around it. And then you got to make sure that those applications are good applications and not used for evil. Of course, you know, you're going to have both. Um, I mean, you know, and then you have to find a company that commercializes it. Uh, and then, you know, and then you, you know, they do a, they do a startup and then that startup goes to Silicon Valley bank and they're like, Oh, that doesn't exist anymore. So now you see how I just connected those two stories. Yeah. It's impressive. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think you, I think you would mainly see this whenever it gets adopted. Right. I think you would mainly see it in batteries. Cause I think that's one of the biggest flaws of lithium ion batteries, right? In all the EVs that we have right now. Yeah. Right? In your phone, the batteries in your phone, it's all lithium ion is, um, eventually they run loss, out. Yeah. The loss of its charge over yeah. time. So, and that's not it, even when companies are legitimately purposely doing it. Like Apple got caught a few years ago of admitting that they were, that they intentionally drained the battery faster so that you would have to buy a new model. Right. Right. Yeah. And actually let me, let me cut back here. Um, so if we look back at the article, um, let's just look here. The Rochester lab found that red matter could exist at 69 degrees Fahrenheit yep. and 145,000 PSI pounds yeah. per square inch of pressure. Do they explain That's how crazy. much that Earth's That's a, core? Yeah. It's one 360th of the pressure in Earth's core. Okay. So it's only a 
fraction of a fraction so, of what the earth core is but so still it's not, so but it's still, not like it's not like me going you know, like taking the two pieces and going eh, no but but like i mean that, right? like yeah. if you have to put your your number in comparison to earth's core that's still that's impressive that's a lot one three sixtieth is not that that's not that small of a number it's not that small of a number it's a it's still it's a it's a lot of pressure no that's what i'm saying like yeah. the fact that they they put earth's core next to that it's like <laughs> yeah okay that's a lot that is about a uh let's see that's about a 10 degree fahrenheit increase in temperature and it dropped to about one one thousandth of pressure compared with its predecessor from 2020 okay yeah no it's crazy it's crazy and obviously it's a good it's a good thing you know it's a good thing um we like new tech and especially if it betters the stuff that we create yeah so, and as long as they don't use it for evil. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. You don't think that this might get used for evil. Okay. I mean anything can. Anything I know. can, you know what I, I know. mean? But you know, it's all right. Let's talk about our my favorite story of the week, which is Elon Musk has a he wants to build a Texas town. He wants to basically build his own town. He wants to build some houses. He wants to build a community. <laughs> of uh apparently the the wall street journal discovered that there's some pasture and farmland outside of the texas capital of austin um he wants to basically build a community to support two of his companies uh the boring company which is doing the is that the trains the underground trains uh and then spacex is the other one yeah and they also did the uh the flamethrowers i think okay way 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 back way back when so Every whenever I see a story like this, I'm just reminded of the fact there's a Simpsons episode uh, with the this guy named Hank Scorpio, and um, he ends up he hires Homer to help run a nuclear reactor for him, and then it turns out that Hank Scorpio is a Bond level villain, like he's a James Bondish villain who wants to take over the world. Funny now, I found this story when I typed in Elon Musk Hank Scorpio, and this came out five years ago. So he jokingly admitted that he was this guy, um, which is you know I, I you know obviously he's making a joke, but there are people out there that think that he's becoming a supervillain. Um, and you know there was another story that came out from the Associated Press where they've noticed in Hollywood the tech bros are now the villains. So that's a that's a photo right there of of Edward Norton and he was the villain in uh, Glass Onion. Oh, and I don't want to spoil it. Right, he's the villain. <laughs> I mean, they and, and, it's not really a spoiler. They make it very apparent. Well, so the funny part is, is that as the villain, he was modeled sort of after an Elon Musk type of mogul. Yeah. So he, you know, so you're like that's an obvious example. But you were you saw some other ones, right? Like you were. Well, yeah, I mean in Jurassic World. Yeah, like you said, it's it's becoming a common theme, like almost in, a trope. Yeah, in all the movies where okay, the bad guy is some tech mogul. Um, but yeah, the uh, what was that last Jurassic Park movie? Uh, Jurassic World. It was a horrible movie. You said it but. sucked. Oh my god. So I, I don't. That's <laughs> topic that's, for a topic for yeah. another episode. Uh, but but the, yeah, the, you look at the villain, and it's like he's a carbon copy of Tim Cook. Yeah, yeah. He looks looks like him. Yeah sounds exactly like him kind of like this low draw like you know low note draw um and it's like wow okay so that's how hollywood is viewing uh villains now yeah view them as like tech models you know and this used to be we used to to sort of idolize sort of this tech evangelist 
And then and we talked about this on a previous show with uh, Jack Gold when he was in yeah. and whether or not the world needs one, because I think people are realizing that Elon Musk might be a supervillain. Like I figured that with all that money, he should become Batman. Like why not become Batman or Iron Man? Like why are you, why are you emulating sort of the wacky kind of take over the world kind of guy? Like I, I, I would take all my money and start building Iron Man suits if I was like, this I mean, guy. I, I mean, do we, do we really think he's trying to take over the world? I mean, I just think that's just uh, how he is. Depends on, I think it's just yeah. how he is. He's just, you know, eccentric, you know, he's trying to, a lot of times he does to me come off a little bit trollish. Like he's just trolling the media. He's just trolling all of his haters and stuff like that. But I think he, I mean, honestly, that's what I think he's trying bit, to do good. Yeah, that's he what makes, that's what makes Trump Trump too sometimes. I think always Trump was always trying to troll his haters too. Yeah, yeah. And that's why a lot of people liked him because he was like, he was finally someone that stood up to sort of the 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 Twitter mobs and things like that. So I think there's there's part of that with Elon Musk as well. But right. um, I think with Hollywood, you know, they, they tend to, to, to roll in, in trends. But, you know, again, this is going to bring you back. There was a, a James Bond movie in the 80s where the the villain was played by Christopher Walken and he was a Silicon Valley type mogul as well but this was before Silicon Valley became known as Silicon Valley yeah so in the 80s it was still he was still a tech mogul but you know his 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 henchman was Grace Jones and it was a horrible movie great song it was view to a kill who, who was the james bond in that that was Roger Moore's last one it was right before they went to Timothy Dalton did he so, have Roger Moore, I'm trying to remember. Roger Moore was in The Spy Who Loved Me. He was in Moonraker where he went to the moon. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and then they had that villain with Jaws with the metal teeth. Oh, okay, okay, yep, yep, yep. That, I mean, I know you're a younger guy, but like I I was a kid when those movies came out. Like, so, you know, the, the first one that I, the first cool uh, James Bond that I remember and liking was, I think, Pierce Brosnan. There was Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, and then Daniel Craig. So Daniel Craig right. is probably your James Bond, right? Well, no, I, I actually- Do you so like those movies? Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, so my brother, my brother has the complete box set of the James Bond movies, not up until Daniel Craig. So like we would, we would watch them uh, frequently yeah. uh, back in the day uh, when we were younger. Yeah. So, I mean, so, obviously Sean Connery was the, the, the first one or the classic one. I mean, yeah, one. when you say James Bond, that's what you think of. Right. Most if, of the time. Well, if you're, if you're a classic. Right. Yeah. But that, that, that's an interesting question as the life of this, this super spy. Which James, yeah. Which James Bond do you identify with? Yeah. Like that, that'd be a good question to ask. Like oh, that's a really someone. tough Instead question. of asking their age. Okay. Which James Bond villain, uh, which James Bond actor do you identify with? I would probably have to say Pierce Brosnan. Uh, yeah. oh, who, who was the one from Goldeneye? It was either. Pierce Brosnan. Was he? Was that his first one? I, I think so. Oh, it was, yeah. It, because he looked so much like Timothy Dalton too. Like, Yeah. I yeah. think Goldeneye, and only and I and I say Goldeneye because I liked the movie, and then it was also the the Nintendo sixty four version yeah, yeah, of that exactly. game was incredible. Like that was just it's legendary. Yeah, I loved that game. Um, that's my geek tech side. Um, anyway, so th there's always been sort of tech bro villains, but I think that what we're seeing lately is sort of this negative perception of Silicon Valley as maybe these people aren't as cool as we thought they were. Um, but there's nobody, you know, it's like, well, you're not going to turn to government. You're not going to turn to sort of institutions now. I, I, I wish we could find, you know, someone we can trust and someone we can idolize. And, and I, maybe it's just, maybe it's me. Maybe people just need to start idolizing me <laughs> and, 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 and you, Chris, I'll, I'll add you. You can be emperor sure. of, of California if you want. Um, so that's, that's sort of, you know, sort of the trendish thing that, that we're, you know, we're, we're going to kind of monitor is, 
will tech bros so now gain their their reputation of being cool again right I, I guarantee you keep an eye out in, in the movies and movies to come about a villain who looks like mark zuckerberg that would be hilarious if they try to emulate have they done mark that yet zuckerberg well actually hold on a minute Did, well because no, the social network the, the guy that played mark zuckerberg right. was lex Luthor in one of the superman but, movies Right. Yeah, yeah, I know you're. Yeah, what am I talking about? Yeah, he was Mark Zuckerberg in Social Network, but yeah. I, I'd say I think the interpretation would be different today compared right. to before then. Right. Okay. Because I think they kind of like in the movie back then he was a little bit neutral, a little bit of a a d bag, you know? Yeah. How he started Facebook, right? Yep. But it really would be interesting to see how they portray him today. So it, it, I think it'd be pretty different we'll have to monitor that because right now my <laughs> my my movie watching is still sort of marvel yeah. sci-fi stuff but um it should be interesting to see if there's another james bond movie or a super you know let's watch here here's what here's what here's what we should monitor the next mission impossible movie is gonna come out soon right because he was tom cruise was making that in in during the pandemic I, I think so, so. I believe that if it comes out this year or next year, we will see who the villain is. I mean, it still might just be, you know, in the Mission Impossible world, it's always the corrupt governments. Like, that's your always your standby is either a corrupt government or some maniacal world leader that's of random ethnicity now. It's like you don't necessarily want to pick on someone. Yeah, I think it's called the next one, uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. And we I don't know who the villain is yet for yeah. that. Yeah, I no no idea, but okay. I think that's the one. If I remember correctly, the Tom Cruise did this insane stunt. Oh yeah, he just jumps out of planes. Yeah, this huge ramp right off like a cliff or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, insane. I, did you see Tech Top Gun Maverick or no? Not yet. Yeah, it's I on my either. list. It's, it's on my it's, list. I know. I've got a list like this long of all these movies I need. I to hear. See. I mean, I hear it's amazing. Um, I just haven't gone to it. Yeah, I, I want to see it. I want to see it. We're too busy coming up with tech talk item, items. Yeah, too tech- busy with this. That's yeah. why. <laughs> and so we're sort of out of time here, right? I think so. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for catching us up on the news. Yeah, no problem. All right. That's all the time we have for today's episode. Don't forget to like the video, subscribe to our channel, and add any comments you have below. Tell us who your favorite James Bond is. Which one do you identify with most? Join us every week for new episodes of Today in Tech. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.